Here we are, Locked On NFL, alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. We're taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network, as usual. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. You can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps, just like every other show here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're going to get into the primetime games. We didn't cover the Sunday night football game yet, and of course, Monday night football as well. We will be breaking down here and some news around the league. The first coaching axe has fallen in the NFL. Matt, let's start with the freshest game, Monday Night Football. 49ers making a statement in prime time. Yeah, very, very impressive. And I kind of saw this one coming. You know, like I was talking on my Steelers show yesterday, you know, that maybe all's not lost there, Steeler fans, because I think the Browns are going to get blown out tonight, and I thought it was a bad matchup for them. San Francisco coming off a bye. Very well-coached team on both sides of the ball. You knew whenever he broke that long run as the game started, it was like, oh, yeah. no, this is going to be a problem. Um, the pass rush was exactly as expected. Browns have some issues. I mean, they're playing without their top corners, but that was far from their biggest problem. They didn't even need the wide receivers from San Francisco in this game. Um, that D-line, that front seven, the defense in general for San Francisco really stands out, as does their running game, of course. Booker was a little hard on Jimmy G, and I didn't quite see why. I mean, I thought he was yeah. fine. He didn't wasn't asked to do a lot, but... I don't know if you were watching the the broadcast, but it was like, boy, I'm kind of, you know, everything's good except for the quarterback. Like, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really get that either. And there was a few fans <laughs> that sort of parroted that on my Twitter timeline. I was like, what are you talking about? He was efficient, 20 of 29, two touchdowns, yeah. 108 quarterback rating. He wasn't asked to do much. He didn't need to do much. And the 49ers really were just throwing the ball for fun because they didn't need to do anything but run the ball to continue to get first downs. They were averaging, well, Matt Breida averaged 10 yards per carry. As a team, they averaged nearly seven yards per carry. So they were just running the ball at will, whether it was Matt Breida or Tevin Coleman. Yeah, and it was great to see Coleman. I'm glad you brought him up. He's my favorite of that group, but boy, Matt Breida's really growing on me too. <laughs> I mean, it's a good collection. Um, you're right. I mean, Maybe the averages are a little skewed because you bust a 80-some yarder or whatever, but it felt like they got seven every time they handed the ball off. Right, yeah. It seemed like, okay, they're just going to – and they, they really didn't have to convert third downs because they were running the ball so well. They punted, I think, four times maybe in the game. And on the other side, they – uh, really did a number, and I think that was the story of this game. I mean, obviously, the run game is there. Shanahan, whether it's Kyle or his dad – are always able to run the ball, so I'm not surprised they were able to get things going on the ground, and it doesn't seem to matter if it's an undrafted player or a high draft pick. They just they can run the football, and, and the blocking up front was great for the 49ers. I think the 49ers have one of the top five offensive lines in the league. Their yeah. pass block efficiency is great. They're obviously running the heck out of the football. It helps with Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle. are also really good blockers in the run game. So that's all good up front for the 49ers. But defensively up front is where this team has the ability to be special. And I think we saw the primetime coming out breakout game for Nick Bosa. Yeah, not too shabby from him. Um, I totally agree with what you said. You know, I mean, the offense is highly efficient highly schemed, highly coached. And I'm not saying there's bad players on offense. I mean, Kittle's a star, although that use check injury is something that's worth monitoring. We need, might need to chat about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But on the defense, 
they're stars. You know, Buckner, Bosa. I mean, I think the linebackers are stars. I mean, D Ford, they're great players on that side of the ball. And it looks like Sherman's still playing at a high level. With the use check injury, it's looking like potentially a sprained knee. I don't think we have uh, maybe an MCL injury. It's not an ACL, so they know that, but it could be something that keeps him out for a little while, but it's not an ACL where it's going to be you know, a, a one-year recovery time thing for Kyle use check. So we'll definitely monitor that, and I think they used the fullback about 30 on 32 plays last night in the most common set the 49ers uses 21 personnel two running backs and one tight end and so yeah use check is a big part of that team and he can catch the ball and when he's in the game you can't guarantee that they're going to run it because he's a threat in the past game and they motion a lot of guys and move guys around so use check is a big part of that and that's why they paid him a bunch of money and he's easily the highest paid fullback in the league but yeah your point about the defensive line there's so much talent there there's five first rounders you got Solomon Thomas who's a reserve on that defensive line because they have so much other talent and uh, just able to get after the quarterback and Baker Mayfield had no shot in this one uh, he was basically the high point of the game for the Browns was probably their first play Odell Beckham coming out and throwing the ball a 20-yard completion to Jarvis Landry Baker Mayfield only 36 percent completion percentage 8 of 22 for 100 yards the two interceptions and uh, just being harassed all game long sacks pressures hits it was just a thorough domination up front for the 49ers against that Cleveland offensive line in Baker Mayfield yeah and hopefully you check isn't out long he's so versatile he's uh, I got on Booger's case about Jimmy but Booger was dead on about you check being extremely important the versatility good at everything um, man, Baker is struggling. He's not seeing things clearly. He doesn't protect the football. He's throwing way too many picks, and they're on him. It's not like it's just bad luck hitting. Doesn't really protect the ball in the pocket all that well. Doesn't see over the rush all that well, getting a lot of passes blocked down in his face. Um, I said this after the Steeler game around here, though. I said, hey, the Niners' defensive front's going to do this to everybody, though. I, I mean, like, get used to it because this is who they are. Um, I do think the Browns are in trouble, and I thought from the start this was a really bad matchup for them. You know, Monday night on the other side of the country with them two weeks rest and bad offensive line play on the road against a great D-line. But I think you and I both have the Saints right now going to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. But I think the Niners right now are the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I was thinking that. I'm very interested to hear your latest power rankings. So we should do those very soon because I think there's a lot of movement around the league and things are starting to settle in. And the 49ers are moving closer to that. Okay, I feel comfortable saying that the 49ers are definitely for real. And uh, man, they put on a show on Monday Night Football. You mentioned coaching. The last point I want to make about this game is I think Kyle Shanahan's group thoroughly outcoached Freddie Kitchen's group. And maybe even to that point of Odell Beckham trying to get him involved, but maybe too cute early. They had no rhythm at all on offense. They couldn't get Nick Chubb going until later in the game. And as a, as a whole, they actually ran the ball okay. Chubb averaged 5.4 yards per carry, but it was just it was in a situation where it didn't matter because they're already in a hole and they had no rhythm offensively. The two things I was worried about for the 49ers coming into this was they have a sixth-round rookie, Justin School, in place of Joe Staley at left tackle. They didn't have Miles Garrett on over him at right end. They had Miles Garrett almost solely playing left defensive end. So they didn't try to, to to try to win that matchup at all and really create some problems for the 49ers there. And 
Emmanuel Mosley was starting, getting his first career start in undrafted free agent last year out of Tennessee at cornerback for Akella Witherspoon. And that was a matchup really that the 49ers had no problems with either. He had a nice play down the field against Odell Beckham. So those two things that you thought might be, okay, this is a big time problem. Two of the most freakish athletes in the league against two players that are very young and maybe not ready for prime time for the 49ers was just not a problem at all. Yeah, and to your point about coaching, it's hard to criticize coaching. I mean, it's easier to quarter, you know, get on running backs or quarterbacks or blocking or whatever because you don't know the thought process. You're not behind the scenes all week. But those were some spots that I would have worried about if I were the Niners. I, I didn't see the Browns doing much to exploit them at all. And you wouldn't think it's that tough to scheme some things up to get Odell open. You know what I mean? Like, and use this example. Like, let's pretend that before the game they traded Dante Pettis for Odell Beckham. You know, like, you think Shanahan could have got it in his hands? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, just imagine Odell on the Niners right now and the numbers he'd have. You know, and, and there's more to it. The line's better, the running back better, the running game's better. But Freddie Kitchens, I mean, he was a running back coach 365 days ago. Right. No, that's a great point. And the 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 Odell Beckham Bosa thing is interesting, too, because the reason the 49ers wouldn't pony up the first rounder for Beckham is because it was too valuable. They drafted Bosa. And so there was mm -hmm. no way to get both those guys on the same team. But it's interesting that that uh, right now is looking like a smart move for the short term for the 49ers and probably the long term having uh, Nick Bosa in-house. And of course, Baker oh, Mayfield. Yeah. Every week there's one new thing with him, and this week it was that Richard Sherman said that before the game, Baker Mayfield snubbed them at the coin toss of handshakes, and that was a little added bit of um, maybe uh, fuel for the 49ers' fire in that game. And then, of course, Nick Bosa with the Ohio State flag thing and planting that going back to their college days where Baker Mayfield planted the flag at from Oklahoma at Ohio State. So some interesting storylines there, and there's always something kind of extra with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and I don't want to hear about them anymore, and I don't want to see any more commercials with them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. those are the grindstone here. You know, I mean, let's not worry about the periphery nonsense and the noise. It's time to get back and get you know, get back to building a football team here. All right, let's move along. Let's talk Colts, Chiefs. Jay Gruden fired in Washington. Sam Darnold looks like he might be getting back on the field for the New York Jets. Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is LOCKEDON. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. 
Okay, Matt, a big one here, and I don't know, just like Monday Night Football, maybe don't overreact to the 49ers-Browns with either one of those teams. It's kind of hard to when you see those teams in prime time. Another primetime game this week with some major implications, and I think one of the best wins of the season we've seen so far is the Colts on the road in Kansas City. They beat the Chiefs, handing them their first loss, 19-13 there. Uh, maybe the blueprint to beat the Chiefs right now. Yeah, it's funny because I was just patting myself on the back of, boy, I saw this Niners blowout coming. Well, I also thought there was going to be a Chiefs blowout. You know, <laughs> Sunday night football in Kansas City, a lot of injuries on the Indianapolis side. You know, not enough said about Mahomes and all these guys there for real. But, man, the Colts, I mean, are a really well-coached team and a very strong organization and, you know, for example, they were a heavy, heavy zone team and they played a lot more man in this this game. And if there was a chink in the Kansas City passing game, it's been the ability to defeat man coverage so far. So, you know, that's just one little thing. But, man, I mean, guys like – like I want to talk about Marlon Mack because Marlon Mack to me, I've been down on. Like I'm in a bunch of dynasty leagues. I don't own him anywhere. I wasn't super fond of him coming out of school. I kind of looked at him as a product of the Colts. I'm wrong. He's really good. You know, I mean, he has a little bit of Lev Bell to him. And, sure, that line helps and that scheme helps. And, boy, is Quentin Nelson the most fun offensive lineman to watch in the history mm-hmm. of the world or what? And <laughs> I'm a big Brissette guy. So I think the Colts are still very much in it in the in the South. Yeah, Marlon Mack, and they just kept pounding it. They stayed to their game plan. Yeah. Uh, I love what you said about their defensive game plan, too. I think it went from something like they usually played 20-something percent man coverage on defense, and it was 75% for them in that game. So wow. just a completely yeah. different game plan. So it's awesome that you see a coaching staff – change a game plan week to week like that because you don't see that very often in the NFL and that's the blueprint for the Chiefs and try to get after him with four rushers and play man coverage behind him Mahomes got his ankle stepped on too which I think hampered him a little bit which is an added feature of that but Marlon Mack you mentioned I felt the same way about him throughout his whole career he's not someone I ever owned really in in most fantasy leagues like ah, Marlon Mack he's all right but I just never believed in him as the guy but yeah the patience uh the footwork in the hole obviously a nice offensive line there to run behind in Quentin Nelson. But they just kept pounding it. 29 carries there, 132 yards. And that was the recipe. Run the heck out of the football and play man coverage. And it worked. And a huge win for the Colts. They're 3-2 and two now. And the Kansas City Chiefs, 4-1. and one. Chiefs still in a great spot. But about half as many points as the lowest points that a Chiefs team has scored under Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and, and now let's focus on the Chiefs a little bit. I mean, I'm not worried about them, but you you mentioned Mahomes' ankle, and clearly the offense and the quarterback, who's awesome, was one guy before that happened and one guy after. I mean, he was struggling through it. He was toughing it out. I mean, lower body injuries are really rough on a guy with his style of play that moves so well, but you also get you know your balance and your your, your throwing, and I often quote Bill Bill Walsh, hey, I can just watch a quarterback's feet and I'll tell you if it was an accurate pass or not. You know, So it, you lose that base. That's awful difficult. And then guys are falling left and right around them. I mm-hmm. mean, Sammy Watkins, the line was in shambles and couldn't block anybody. Um, you know, He couldn't get out of the way. All of a sudden, it was like, man, the Chiefs don't have any weapons. What is going on in the world? And Chris Jones is going down. Like They got hit hard. It couldn't have gone much worse for Kansas City. 
Yeah, and the running game, I, I don't really fully believe in any of the running backs there as someone who's like, okay, this guy's going to be a problem for opposing teams, and they only average 2.6 yards on the ground in that game. You mentioned Sammy Watkins is out, already missing Tyree Hill, so you're down to just Travis Kelsey and uh, a bunch of dudes. You know, Byron Pringle and Miko yeah. Hartman's a fast rookie, but you wouldn't expect those guys to, to carry the load for you as receivers if you're the Chiefs. Um, which brings me to actually a question here with these two primetime games. Who would you take right now? Would you take Travis Kelsey still as the best tight end in the league? Or would you, has it, has it come to the point where George Kittle's maybe surpassed Kelsey to be the top all around tight end in the league? Hmm. That's a really good question. I, I want to say one note about the Chiefs. So I think about that in the back of my noggin um, before this game, Andy Reed was averaging eight called runs in the first half of, of their games. I, mean, I think it's almost been eight, 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 eight. And that's great because usually they jump up on people with the passing game and then they run heavy in the second half. But that approach when it doesn't quite work can be a little bit backwards in that now we don't really have a running game to lean on. You know, I mean, I'm not an established the run guy or anything, but when you throw so much early and it doesn't work, then all of a sudden you're playing in a tough situation. Tight ends. I'm going to go Kelsey, but my thoughts haven't changed. I mean, to be honest, I thought Kittle was a far superior player to Ertz, who I like a lot, and I thought that this conversation was a good one even six months ago in the summer, and I think Kelsey got the slight edge then, and I don't think either one's done enough to change it positively or negatively, but they're both similar nasty, great after the catch, offer more as a blocker than people realize, versatile, fast, size, hands. They're great players. Absolutely. And, yeah, Kittle has has gotten to the point where he's just a straight-up great blocker. I'm blown away by how good of a blocker he is, and he loves doing it. He will pancake guys. He will block them off the screen. And he had a touchdown catch on Monday night. But two plays before that, which is as impressive, they had him in pass protection by himself, one-on-one, matched up with Miles Garrett. So that's how much they trust him. <laughs> crazy, and he yeah. and, he, and he did well, and they completed the pass. And so um, it's just th- those two guys are definitely in a class by themselves, and I agree. Ertz isn't there as a blocker, so you, I think there's a clear gap now after those two for the rest of the tight ends in the league. No, I do too. Yeah, I do too. And one little kittle note too. And I'm not harping on fantasy, but I'm sure some of you out there have Kittle in your, in, as your tight end, as I do, and I, I had a really high pick to get him. And, and he's been a little quiet before last night, but he basically had two touchdowns called back in week one, and yeah. they haven't needed him as much. I mean, like, he's fine. I mean, he's, he's, he's in the top of his powers. Right, and the top three wide receivers for the 49ers had a combined five catches, so Kittle far and away the the most heavily targeted receiver on the 49ers, too. So fantasy players sure. definitely don't have to worry about George Kittle. No. Or Kelsey. we got to get to the Jay Gruden firing, and that will probably take up the rest of this time. Hit on some Sam Darnold stuff. It looks like his spleen is regular size now as he's recovered from mono. He's ready to start this week for the Jets. This podcast is brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help get you to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Put that knowledge to use. If you're listening to this show, you're obviously a well-informed football fan. Make yourself a little cash with my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it. 
where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code locked on to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on. Visit mybookie.ag. Today, you play, you win, you get paid. The Jay Gruden stuff might finish the rest of this podcast. So let's start with Sam Darnold and the New York Jets. Do you think he can make a difference, salvage this season a little bit for the New York Jets, or do you think they are just not a talented enough team to really for, for Sam Darnold to, to matter at quarterback when he gets plugged in? Because it looks like he will start and has been cleared by doctors this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they have any shot at the postseason. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like, I think they're um, – I think that they are far from a contender. So this kind of um, sounds like I'm going to be talking up the Jets. I'm, I'm not in that regard. But I'm pulling up their schedule as we speak. First off, I am a Darnold fan. Uh, he – Puts the ball in harm's way too much, don't get me wrong, but he's got a little bit of Jameis Winston in him that way. But he's also got a little bit of, I don't care, I'm tough as can be, and I got a lot of ability. So I think he's going to be a top 10 type quarterback before long. I mean, this year will probably be some ups and downs. But not only have they not had Darnold, but they've had, I mean, Quinton Williams has hardly played, CJ Mosley. Um, it's been like Lev Bell and the Pips. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. like nothing around these guys. And I'm pulling up the, why I mentioned the schedule is because starting in week nine, here's what the Jets do they go to Miami, they host the Giants, they go to Washington, they host the Raiders, they go to Cincinnati. Wow. They host the Dolphins, <laughs> then they go to Baltimore, they host the Steelers, and they go to Buffalo. So, <laughs> that is a, what, a 10-game stretch, nine-game stretch, where they might go 7-2. and two. You know, I mean, we might be – it won't shock me if the narrative this offseason is, look out for the Jets in 2020. They finished the season super strong, and Darnold was really good, much like he was last year to finish the season. So that schedule's pretty crazy. That's a great call, and some of those AFC East teams have a really nice schedule this season. It started out a little bit more difficult for the Jets, but maybe they can salvage something there, and even offensively in Week 1 with Sam Darnold, things weren't all that great, and Le'Veon Bell hasn't even rushed for 100 yards, and he's been under 50 yards the last two games for the Jets. you got to wonder if Adam Gase is a one-and-done coach there, or if maybe, like you mentioned, that stretch at the end of the season will be able to save Adam Gase and have some good feels going for the Jets heading into next season if they're able to do like you say and beat up on some of these bad teams around the league and prove they're not one of those purely awful teams like you know Miami, yeah, Washington, right. and Cincinnati are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they could not be the one of the worst teams in the league and they beat <laughs> these worst teams in the league, we might have a very different narrative about the Jets come Christmas time. Um, real su- super quick note because I have the roster, the, the schedule grid in front of me, and we mentioned the Bills. I just want to spell out real quick what they have left. They have the easiest schedule in the league, basically, remaining. They're 4-1 and one as we speak. This is their bye. And then they have another bye by hosting Miami. Then they host the Eagles, host the Redskins. So they come out of a bye and have three straight home games. Go to the Browns, go to Miami, host Denver, at Dallas. That's hard. 
Baltimore at home, at Pittsburgh, at New England, Jets at home. So just, you know, playoff notes, you already have four wins. There's probably six for sure remaining on the schedule coming out of the bye if you're the Bills. So I think they're going to the postseason, and that's pretty close to a done deal. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And that defense is carrying that team right now. It's um, That's a fun one because I like the Bills. I drafted the Bills defense on all my fantasy teams, so I'm glad that that's working out for me. But, yeah, when you spell it out like that, you're talking about a legitimate playoff team. And in the AFC, all those spots behind the Patriots and the Chiefs are up for grabs. Yeah, right, right. And New England really hasn't played anyone, and I don't see anyone, you know, I don't see the Bills knocking them off the perch atop the AFC East. But considering how bad the AFC is, I would be blown away if the Bills don't get in the postseason. And rarely do you say those things in early October. Some teams have definitely been whipping boys in the first quarter of the season. Washington is one of those, and they are the first team to fire their head coach in 2019. Jay Gruden gone. A lot of people are upset about, you know, Bruce Allen also still having a job and him talking about how damn good the culture is with Washington, which is okay. I mean, I guess if you're the GM, you have to sell yourself because your team is not winning and you just got rid of your head coach politicking for your own job at a certain point there. What are your thoughts there in Washington? And by the way, the folks at Breaking Tea who are partners of ours really quickly whipped out a new t-shirt there, which I think is going to be popular in the D.C. area. And it just says, simply with that Washington Redskins colors, red and yellow, sell the team. So I think that says it all right there. And you can find those exclusives, breakingtea.com slash locked on. Crazy. Um, you saw this one coming a mile away. I mean, it's, it's not a shocker at all. I bet deep down Coach Gruden's maybe even relieved. Like, get me out of here. I mean, I've been beating my head against the wall in what is one of the absolute worst organizations in the league. And frankly, I think Gruden's a pretty good coach and has gotten a lot out of a team that is chronically injured, which it's once in a while I don't think those type of things are, you know, you hear about their medical staff and whatnot. Like, that might not be coincidence. And hasn't drafted well, aren't giving them the – the proper, you know, ingredients to make a lovely salad and meal. And he's still getting, you know, still getting a a fair amount out of that team. The guy I feel for, though, is Haskins. Like, how is he going to develop there now? Well, maybe better because it sounds like the coaching staff is the one that didn't like Haskins. And if the GM really believes in you that much, they'll try to find a new coach that also believes in Haskins and maybe it'll be better in the long run for Haskins. But the the Jay Gruden thing is interesting because his uh, it's not exactly his coaching tree, but he's coached with Kyle Shanahan, who's having success, McVay, who's having success, um, and McVay's like developing his own tree as is Shanahan. So it's interesting because I feel like Jay Gruden, even though things didn't go well in Washington, he's going to be someone who's fondly looked at around the league for GMs that are looking for head coaches in 2020, right? Yeah, I would think, or at a minimum, hey, come be my offensive coordinator and don't deal with all the head coach nonsense. Take my young quarterback and, you know, mold him a little bit. I mean, maybe he goes and hangs out with his brother. Yeah, there you go. That would be a nice <laughs> pairing there. And yeah, maybe help his image out for a couple of years as a coordinator, then jump back into the head coaching game if things go well. But I mean, if Adam Gase is just instantly getting a new head coaching job, as far as retreads go, I don't see why Jay Gruden would be looked at if you were looking at both of those coaches as a worse coach than than Adam Gase with his record, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, I I think that's a strong point. I mean, wasn't like Adam Gase was winning a ton of games with Miami. One thing I do like to say about Gase, though, when he was hired is 
You remember the 2018 Dolphins, which roster's not that much different than the garbage they have right now. Mm-hmm. They were 8-8. Eight and eight. I mean, they picked in the middle of the first round. So was there some luck involved there? I mean, he definitely generated more wins than his roster would have suggested in Miami last year and really the last couple of years. I have no insight on this, but the big rumor is Washington's going to give the Steelers anything they want for Mike Tomlin. I saw that. I saw that, and I didn't make any sense. I was like, what do you mean give them anything they want for Mike Tom? Is it going to be like a Gruden-esque coaching trade? That would be wild. I I mean, you're the Pittsburgh guy. Does that even make sense? I mean, it's not a Steeler-type move, but, I mean, they they traded their first-round pick for Minka. The Redskins don't have a second because they gave that to the Colts in the sweat trade. But this black and gold fan in me saying, if you're going to give me the second or third pick in the draft for our head coach, maybe it's time for a change around here. I'm 46 years old. I've only seen three head coaches. Well, how about a fourth? You know, I mean, if you're going to make it that worth my while, I'd listen at least, you know, if you're going to give me that early of a pick. Um, Tomlin did address it in his press conference today, though, and he said, I have a third-string quarterback I'm going across the country to face a Hall of Fame quarterback. The last thing on my mind is this rumor. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Summarize. And that's a great place to end it now. We will talk to you guys Wednesday right here. I guess we'll uh, hit those tweets Wednesday, right, Matt? Sounds good to me. I like it. Let's do it. Hit us up with your tweets. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Matt is at WilliamsonNFL. We want to hear from you. This is your show tomorrow. We'll shoot out an official tweet asking for questions for the Wednesday episode and we'll break down all the news around the league right here locked on NFL 